from the former convent of the Good Shepherd overlooking Inwood Hill Park here in Inwood, New York City. Welcome to Inwood Artworks On Air. It's where we meet the musicians, filmmakers, writers, theater makers, and artists of all stripes who make their home what we affectionately call Upstate Manhattan. I'm your host, Aaron Sims, and today we welcome dancer Shloka Iyengar. Shloka is a dancer and scientist passionate about the power of science to change the world for its most vulnerable populations and the importance of communication to affect that change. She is a practitioner as well of Bharatanatyam and is interested in using its narrative and storytelling aspects to reach, to reach wider audiences. She is also interested in the convergence of arts and sciences and has created productions exploring and defining this convergence. We are going to talk to her about her art and perhaps some science and see where these two meet with dance. But first, let me welcome you, Shloka, to Inward Artworks On Air. It's been a long time. How are you? Doing, doing really well. Thank you so much. Good, good. Um, well, let's just dive right in. Uh, the type of dance you practice is traditional Bharatanatyam. Um, can you give our listeners a crash course, if you will, in, our, in its origin and uh, and what defines the style of this dance? Yeah, so Bharatanatyam um, actually originated in about 2,000 years ago in the temples of South India. Uh, and, you know, India, of course, went through a lot of um, political upheavals, a lot of cultural upheavals, you know, of course, the big, biggest one being that we were colonized for several hundred years. And so Bharatanatyam also did have a lot of um, influence from, you know, as a result of the colonization. Um, so in its original form, it was being practiced by these hereditary dancers. So the dance form was passed on from, you know, mother to daughter. Um, the music and the percussion that goes with it was passed on from uh, father to son and to son. So it was really um, a hereditary dance done by a particular community in South India called the Devadasis. Um Things happened, you know, with uh, many changes happened in, you know, in the Indian subcontinent. Uh, and the dance really fell into a bit of a disrepute. So it wasn't performed that much. Uh, and there's many, you know, many ways you can think of it. Um, revival is probably the wrong word because in a way there was nothing to revive. Um, but, you know, in the recent 100, 150 years, there was some sort of this um, some sort of this belief that, you know, this dance could be systematized to read wider, reach wider audiences. Uh, and so now it is one of the most famous Indian classical dances that are done, that is done outside of India. It's one of the, so India has um, hundreds, <laughs> if not thousands of dances. Uh, what is called classical, I mean, again, there's, there could be a debate on what is classical, what is not. There's seven classical dance forms and there's hundreds of folk dances. So this is, Bharatanatyam is one of the seven classical um, dance forms that originated in South India. There is um, a very rich vocabulary of facial gestures, of hand gestures, um, and I like to think of it as a toolbox. It's like, it's a language that you can use, you know, to tell... Um, Pretty contemporary stories as well. Well, you led me right into my next question, actually, because there is a storytelling narrative that the form follows as well. Um, and uh, there are specific footwork, gestures, and physical vocabulary you need to, need, that needs to follow to tell these stories, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, exactly. So, some, so the way it is taught, um, you know, just the pedagogy of Bharatanatyam, it's pretty involved, <laughs> as is as are most things. Sounds like a real true scientist. <laughs> yes. 
the pedagogy <laughs> of Bratanatium. It's like you could see like sitting on a shelf like that thick. That is <laughs> yes. <laughs> so the way it is taught is that you know you learn the first thing that we learn is like pretty much stamping our feet, but stamping our feet in rhythm. And then there's like a huge like vocabulary of how many rhythmic patterns. Um, then you learn, you know, um, gestures of the neck, of the eye, and then the storytelling. And you, in a way, are always telling stories because even when you're stamping your feet, you're always taught to imagine, you know, like a horse or a train or something. So in a way, storytelling is really ingrained in the dance, even if you're not telling a story about a person or, or something. Well, um, for those that have not been exposed to the form, there's also a certain melodic structure that is specific to the form as well. So not just a physical vocabulary, but there's a musical um, own musical language, right? Exactly. So the um, the dance originated in South India. The music that typically typically goes with the dance, although now you know there is in a way there is no limit, but um, the dance the music form is called Carnatic music. And the you know we all probably have heard of raga. So raga is that melodic structure. There's 72, if I'm not mistaken, they call parent ragas, uh, and then there's like thousands of sub ragas. So the really interesting thing is how melodies create emotions, uh, and how a certain rhythmic structure or a melodic structure can create this emotion of compassion or of of valor or of you know any of the other emotions. Well. I'm really glad you said that because I'm going to try very desperately to tie in your two major forms here. Um, I'll, I'll attempt to, uh, and you, to tie in your double life as a neuroscientist here. Um, so I did a little homework on you, and uh, I'm going to quote you somewhere in life. I won't say what year or what day or where you were, but you said, uh, quote, science is the theoretical study of reality. Dance, to me, is the practical study of reality, end quote. So scientific method is a journey um, to explain the world, obviously. And and that's how and why, the, the how and why we do what we do, mm -hmm. right? Um, so uh, be, as you just kind of set up, there are specific methods um, to dancing Bratantium and the exploration of a deliberate processes um, and intentions through its own world of storytelling. Mm -hmm, so it's, mm -hmm. it has its own method, right? So is this where they converge uh, to come to a greater understanding of the world, either emotionally, physically, or cognitively? Oh my God, I am so happy <laughs> you said that. But absolutely, I think um, the storytelling aspect is, you know, you can do all amazing science in the world, but as long if it doesn't reach out to people in a form of a story, which really is something that, you know, there's a reason why we think of our narratives as stories, because there's something really powerful about that narrative structure uh, in our brain and in the brains of the, of the audience. So definitely, I think, um, you know, the storytelling aspect of science and of dance and how it, it can be used to communicate. I think the other really interesting thing is what kind of creativity is possible in the uh, confines is probably the wrong word, but in with the limits of a dance form that's 2,000 year old, and for science, the scientific method. Uh, and I think the really exciting thing is just all that creativity that is possible. So, yeah. So what's possible? Have you? I'm, I'm going off. I'm going rogue here. Um, like, have you? Because I, I love the idea that there's you have this all this form, and you have these seven traditional forms. And then from these seven, you say, okay, there's like, let's pick 
breath and antium, you have like a thousand different expressions of that form and how it's been. And then you have like the physical and oral history of that form. And so I can't help that you have made it your own. And I want, I'm curious of like, have you created your own form? Obviously respecting the tradition, but also um, creating your own uh, language with, with your form. Yeah. So I, attempted, uh, I had a lot of fun doing it, but showing how neurons communicate through the medium of dance. Uh, and what is really exciting is that, you know, it's all movement. So the way um, neurons talk to one another, there's, uh, I'm going to go super, <laughs> like, fun here. I like fun. <laughs> uh, but, you know, you have, so you have a, a neuronal um, a cell body, and then you have these long um, thread-like structures called either dendrites or axons. And the whole point of neuronal communication is this uh, travel. It's it's movement. You know, it's movement in a micro, micro, micro scale, but it's still movement. Uh, so one of the things I did was go from um, the communication of a few neurons to the communication of the brain, and then looking at how that brain, because how their brain um, or how our brains perceive the world around us. So whether it be vision or smell or, you know, movement, uh, so how to take the movement of neurons to our movement here in real life. Did you get all that, people, <laughs> at home? Did you follow around? But I got, I got it all, actually. Thank you very much. And uh, I, I think it's, again, communication, right? It's, it's, it's the forms of communication and, mm -hmm. how, and, and message sent, message received. Exactly. And, and it's basic form. Exactly. I'm just giving you Cliff Notes version, folks, if you're listening at home. Um, and so, uh, but, but then... Tie that into the emotion, though. Mm -hmm. Like, you can only learn so much. Like, how much do you give away? Like, like how, I guess the question is, like, like jazz, for instance, is there room to deviate? Like, so you can play, like, when the saints come marching in. Like, there's specific, we know, you can list, you can recognize the song. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. when some, and, and you can argue no one plays the song the same way twice. Um or, or has their own composition of it, or their own arrangements for it. So I'm curious within your dancing, are you able, and your science with the dancing, it's like, you know, you're, are you, do you allow for that variance of emotion to change the storytelling? Um, like, are you, are you, and the question is like, how far away are you, are you, I won't say allowed, but do you feel <laughs> permissible to deviate from the tradition and to bring and putting your own st your own personalization mm. on it and then also bring it back to being within the form yeah i think the amazing part is you know and one of my teachers always said you know always used to say uh, you know ev all the emotions are within us you know so yeah. we feel uh, you know we feel homesick we feel compassion so the external structure is just that you know it is just an external like platform um, and there is tons and tons of freedom. So like one of the things, you know, I moved from India to the U.S. when I was 20, 22. Uh, and I, I think the homesickness was like, a, you know, just like, uh, I used to work at an animal shelter taking care of like dogs and birds and snakes. And just like leaving those animals behind was like, and of course, leaving everybody else behind. Not and the people too, <laughs> I guess. People. Secondarily, of course, but still. But <laughs> Sorry, mom. <laughs> I I, the snakes came first. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was terrible. <laughs> you know, but I had created such such a such a powerful bond with these animals, and just having to leave them, um, you know, for this for this world of science that I knew was going to be very very exciting. Um, and so one of the things I've done, you know, at home, I 
probably is not released yet, is just like this feeling of homesickness. So there is, and the amazing thing about the the rasas that, as they're called in Bharatanatyam, is it's never it's never um, just one. So you know, for example, if if I were to take the example of home, homesickness, there is this sadness at at leaving one's home, but then there's also this excitement for this new world that comes. So I think there is really space for exploring. You know that nothing is all just sadness or all just happiness. Um, the one thing, um, you know, just uh, when I was doing my PhD, I, there was, uh, you know, my lab overlooked, like, a, it wasn't a garden, it was like a place that had a lot of trees. And one of the trees was this, like, 100-year-old oak tree. And I had spent, like, you know, so many hours, well, working, but also <laughs> looking at the squirrels and the birds. And then finding out later that, you know, someone had cut the tree, not sure why, um, and it was just like that really inspired me to create a dance on the life of the tree um, and, you know, the life of the squirrels, the birds and all the animals. So even though the form is traditional, whatever traditional is, um, there is really space to tell, you know, stories that are very contemporary, which is the amazing part of, of all it's of this. It's wonderful. Yeah, your, your own self-expression and your story lives on through traditional forms. Exactly, exactly. And, and it's great that you've you have the vocabulary to be able to use and adapt it. Like I said, it's, it's, a, it's a new language, and I find it just really wonderful that that's the language you chose to express your grief and your, and your happiness mm-hmm, to for mm-hmm. this tree mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. squirrels and everything else happening around there. Um, and that time in your life, you can reflect on that. Exactly. It's, it's a great, um, and it just so happens to be a science story too. Yeah. Uh, in a way, in a way, studying, you know, yeah. what can you say? Um, but speaking of um, science as well, um, you've been able to use your dance uh, methodology and storytelling uh, to help others understand science concepts. Um, and uh, it's through uh, Samyukta NYC, correct? Mm-hmm. So you can tell us more about that. Sure. So, you know, Samyukta is a Sanskrit word that, br- that means to bring together. So it's bringing together um, arts and sciences. It's also bringing together, I don't know, this is so cliched, but East and the West. <laughs> You know, in a way. There's the east and west of the Broadway here. <laughs> that is true. There's the east and west of the United States, east coast, west coast. There's maybe East India and West India. That is true. There you go. Okay. That is true. But the point of um, you know, exploring the convergence at, at, as to what happens on a neuronal level, you know, when, so what is happening in the brain that enables dance and how does dance change the brain? And there is quite a bit of work, similar work on music. So there's a reason why music is so powerful. You know, we can... Think of a music um, from like a certain era in our, you know, in our journey and really like the, that brings up the same or similar emotions. So there is some work being done on how dance changes the brain. And of course, like a big interest of mine is, you know, how do we perceive rhythm? Like what is happening in the brain that tells us that, you know, the rhythm of a, like an ocean wave is different from the rhythm of like, um, like a, a lullaby. And so, like, looking at, so Samyukta is an entity to, you know, that I sort of developed to um, look at these this convergence. And then taking it a step ahead, also thinking of Bharatanatyam, you know, the narrative and the storytelling aspects, and using it for direct public impact. So uh, perhaps for people, you know, one of the things um, happening this spring is using some of those aspects for people with dementia and um also for people with Parkinson's. So what aspects of Bharatanatyam can be used to make it really that language? Yeah, and just, you know, <coughs> particularly with dementia too, is that, you know, 
there's something lost of yourself associated with dementia. And curious that if you're able to create a story and put it into dance and using that vocabulary, unless you forget the steps, that story is never lost. Exactly, exactly. And also, like, there is... In a way, it, it, like you mentioned, it lives on, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, dementia isn't, you know, like how reality is an interesting thing, you know, but how uh, do those stories, stories live on in the moment? Yeah, and, and, and the perception of that reality too, Exactly, right? exactly. Very so. interesting. So where are you with that work now? <laughs> and when can I sign up for a class? <laughs> <laughs> Shortly. Great. And and uh, and so, uh, where where do we go? Speaking of, to follow you in all things science and dance. Oh sure. So my website is um, shloka s l o k a my first name and my last name dot net. Um, so yeah, everything or many things I'm doing is <laughs> is right there. Well, you have your instructions, people. She is so as you see lovely, but also incredibly smart, incredibly passionate. And uh, and she's a great dancer. Unfortunately, it's a podcast. You really can't hear her dance. So otherwise, we would have it happen. Um, but um, you'll perhaps see her. You've you come to Inwood Artworks events. You've seen her perform a number of times. And uh, we hope to have her again. At oh some my God! Point. Thank you so much for this. It was amazing. Absolutely. So <clears throat> it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Of course, listeners, you can find her link to her website in the description of this episode. Thanks again to Shloka for joining me on this Artist Spotlight episode of Inwood Artworks On Air. It's where you meet the musicians, filmmakers, writers, theater makers, and artists of all stripes who make their home here in Upper Manhattan. If you have a moment right now, please show some love by rating and reviewing this podcast on Apple Podcasts. It really helps. Many thanks to Church of Good Shepherd here in Inwood, New York City for hosting us, and to Hidesites.com for uptown promotional support. You can support On Air and all of our programming by making a tax-free donation at inwoodartworks.nyc backslash donate. Be sure to follow us on social media at Inwood Artworks to keep up with all that we do, which includes the Inwood Film Festival, Filmworks Alfresco, Pop Art Galleries, live performances, and so much more. This program is supported in part by public funds from the New York City Department of Cultural Affairs in partnership with City Council. From the top of Manhattan and the bottom of our hearts, thank you so much for tuning in. This is Aaron Sims for Inwood Artworks On Air.